Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Guys, you're forgetting stuff on the trail, forgetting when to take breaks, forgetting when to, to do certain things, and you just need a reminder well, now there's Chalk Talk, body chalk for your body on the trail to remind yourself right on your arms, your shoulders, your legs, your face. It doesn't matter. You can remind yourself. Carl does this all the time to remind himself. Shoulder breaks. I need to take my backpack after, after this mile. I need to have. I need to badger Derek to filter my water. Anything you want, Chalk Talk. Get it done, write it down, live your life. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? This is Derek, and with me today is the only man to use his pillowcase as a pillowcase, a bib, a napkin, and a buff. Carl Mandrioli. <laughs> What's going on? Not a buff. Not a buff. And a buff. That's right. <laughs> I said it. With me today is Derek Summerville, the only man who needs a guide for a hike in his own neighborhood. Ooh. True story. True story. True story. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I can release the reins of control, Carl. And, yeah. Uh, I, I learned many things. We went for a little know. hike in Derek's neighborhood the last time I visited, which was, oh man, how long ago was that? Like like a week ago? And uh, we were trying to find a quiet spot to do some recording outside. And he's like, oh, I just got this trail at the top of my, my hill. And I was trying to figure out where it was. So I actually had scouted out ahead of time to make sure it was a quiet enough spot. And so there's all uh-huh. these steps that go up to uh-huh. this, you know, to the trail. And they're, you know, they're like really obvious. There's like 50 of them. And so I said, oh, yeah, I know where that is. The steps, right? You're like, I don't remember those steps. I don't know. You, you don't even know your own neighborhood, dude. You did not Google. First of all, you forget you're in an urban city. So there's going to okay. be noise all over the place. And uh, I also live by the military base. So there's like helicopters and right. bombs going off. And yeah. you never know when they're going to happen. So That is true. Completely unrelated you know. to not knowing your own trail in your neighborhood. But thanks for that. Completely that. related. And uh, if you want to drive to Mexico probably or the beach, then there's just nowhere to go without sound, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. Unless it's That's not what the story is about. The story wasn't about the bad sound we had. It was about you not knowing your own trail. Who remembers steps on a trail I've been on Because <laughs> they, they were super clear and obvious. The tra- I've only been on a, the trail, and I did it like four years ago. It's okay. Like, I guided you in your own neighborhood, and it worked out. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of guiding, we have a professional guide on our show today in yes. Greg Hill. The two million mile man, Greg Hill. We do, yeah. So we'll get to kind of yeah his credentials here in a moment. But yeah, that's what we're going with this. He's the gentleman that might be guiding a trip that you would be going on. Not you, Derek, but you, our fellow mm. adventurers out there, because we have the giveaway for 57 hours for a free yes. guided trip. 
Don't want to miss out on this, you guys. This guy right. is a legend. I, it may it may be him. It may be a different guy. But Fifty Seven Hours has the best guides uh, you're going to find anywhere to right. do all kinds of adventures. So sign right. up. Yep. Sign up. Okay. So we got John six twelve. Uh, this is in reference to Jesus feeding the five thousand. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, "Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost." Okay. This is about mm. not being wasteful. So, huh. so Derek, what is an area that you struggle the most in in your life as it relates to wastefulness? Toothpaste, Carl. Toothpaste. <laughs> 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 no hesitation. <laughs> you just had that ready to go. Wow. Uh, wow. You know, okay. I feel like I just waste too much toothpaste. That's all okay. I'm saying. Like in your mm-hmm. mouth, or you're like squeezing it in the trash. <laughs> Just squeezing it all over the place. No, I don't. Okay. No, I. You know, I don't That's know. That's not I know what I thought you were going to say. You clearly waste hair gel um, <laughs> on other things, so <laughs> toothpaste it is. No. Okay. Uh, I think I don't know. I mean, if I don't know if I have anything, I'm like try, I try not to waste things. I think there's times I waste food for sure. Yeah. Um, for those that have been listening to the show for a long time, I think everybody knows where I'm going with this. It's I think it's batteries. It's not batteries, yeah. Carl. Again, you, with the what do you batteries. do with the partially used batteries? You just throw them away, right? I gave them to you, actually. He came over to my house, guys. We shot a video for literally one minute, and then he's like, "These are partially used batteries." So <laughs> he didn't want me to explain this, but I'm going to explain it anyway. I didn't want you to throw them away, but uh, I said, "You know what? I'm not going to keep them partially used. You just take them. Right. Just take them. That right. way, I don't have the problem." Right. Okay. So if there I wasn't go. there, wasteful. That those are going in the trash. Anyway, anyway, we're going to talk about that because, yeah. yeah, Greg Hill is addressing kind of sustainability in the backcountry and how to to make that happen to have kind of a lesser impact. That's on his heart yeah. and that's important to him. So we're going to hear his take on things. We're just going to get a taste of that. He's definitely got more to say about that that you might hear about if you go on Indeed. one of his guided trips. So, who yeah. is Greg Hill, Derek? Give me give me one of his his things, his stats. Greg Hill. So in one year, he ascended more than two million miles. Uh, that's that's one of his claims <laughs> over time. Why are you laughing? I don't get to laughing. So just to be clear, he ascended more than two million uh, miles in the same in one year. Of of trek, okay. of trek, of trail in one year. Okay. Yes, two million feet. Two million feet, folks. Oh, not miles. Did I say <laughs> yeah. miles? Let's do that again. Redo, redo. Uh, okay, so Greg is the two million. Footman, yeah, <laughs> okay, two million footman. <laughs> He's hiked over two million feet in one year. Um, and then I think I honestly, I think that's maybe his big claim to fame where he got attention. But I would say, like, I, I was even inspired. If this guy doesn't inspire you, I I don't know who will. This, um, he's he's doing all of these trips now where he's climbed 100 peaks, uh, and he's trying to do it with as little carbon footprint as possible. Right. That's part of it. And he's going to explain yeah. that. Yeah, he's going to explain that more. So. And he's, yeah, so he's, he's into, you know, he's backcountry skiing. He is exactly. a mountaineer. He does, you know, backpacking trips. He's a guide for all those things. Rock climbing, everything above. Um, yep. So, yeah, there's a form which we'll talk about later where it's it takes like a minute to fill out to enter for this. And um, I, I did have like a, a quick feedback. Like, do you have any feedback for our show? And somebody put down on the form, can you please leave more of the the mess ups specifically that Derek has in the show and so <laughs> the timeliness on this Derek is I just left that in for that person so you're welcome that is just lovely did you did you did you write that no no <laughs> I'll show you the form later there's some interesting feedback so uh, without right. further ado we caught up with Greg Hill and here's how it went down 
All right, we got Greg Hill from 57 Hours. Greg, how's it going today? Pretty good. Just just a busy day being a dad, husband, skier, guide, and every other <laughs> hat I wear. All right. So just, just not that busy, you're saying? Not yeah. So you're the first person that we've had on, including fake guests, that did not want an outline or list of questions ahead of time. And so yeah, so you ready for this? I'm ready. Yeah, I just thought it'd be more natural. I'd prefer to just be real and me versus uh, prepped and c- clear, concise answers because I might as well just give you some stumbles like I just did there and be real. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Carl likes plant, plant spontaneity, yeah. so you don't want to. That's true. And Derek's more of the king of stumbles, so there's that. Stumbles. Hey, you know, stumbles. You yeah. Oh. I'm not afraid to get scrapes on many, Carl. Okay. <laughs> some of us are. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, so quick backstory. So you were featured, starring, I guess, in a movie called Electric Greg, which we have linked in our show description. And this is all about how to be an adventurer and try to live as sustainably as possible. Is that a good definition for that? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I, I just think as outdoorsy people, we should be stewards for Mother Nature. And, and I realized at that point in my life, I hadn't been that great. And I wanted to see what I could do differently. And see if, especially in 2017, when electric cars were coming out, and they seemed like an answer to this fossil fuel issue, but everybody was really hesitant to try them because they were maybe a commuter car or whatever, and there wasn't, it didn't seem like they'd ever been proven to be useful for a normal person that just looked like you could commute with them, and that's all. So, yeah, I I wanted to prove that, that you could take an electric car, that you could live an adventurous life that we all dream of, and that it, it would work. You know, when you put these, you know, when you put content out there, like typically you get pretty strong responses, especially like from this perspective. Did you, you know, did you inspire anybody to make a change? Did you get feedback kind of confirming people that had already made a change or what was the reaction you got to this? Well, now we're quite a few years out of since I started my changes and I've definitely convinced a lot of people to get electric cars. They saw my movie, they saw in in the movie, I, I my goal was to climb and ski a hundred different summits without the use of fossil fuels or at least gas put in your car. Cause, cause that's right. a bit of a thing is it's not, there is fossil fuels in my clothing and there's fossil fuels in the building of the car. Like there, you know, you can't get away. You can't be perfect. Yeah. The idea is just to be better, but yeah, through, through that, that adventure showing that you could be adventurous in an electric car, I definitely converted a few people who converted a few more. And I've, you know, that sort of pyramid effect where it just cascades. And I, I know that I've had lots of people reach out to me and thank me for it. Cause most people, once you get an electric car, you kind of you kind of just start driving it, and you, you get this little I call it the electric smile, where you're just like, yeah, oh, you this, do, this yeah, you do, <laughs> you do. I you love my, I love it. It's zippy. They drive really well, and I mean, I live in Revelstoke, British Columbia, and, and thankfully, like most of my electricity or all of it is from the melting snow off the mountains. So the snow mm. I ski in the winter melts and powers my car for my adventures in the next summer. So it's it's pretty mm. circular. I mean, it's like extreme leave no trace in my opinion. Except for the production of the car and the mine of the lithium batteries. And, you know, there's there's trace. <laughs> well, there's that. There's that. But, you you know, you're not putting fumes. But aside from that. <laughs> but aside from all that. So you mentioned, yeah, this, this kind of pyramid effect. Now you're talking about like a pyramid of inspiration, not a pyramid scheme, just to clarify. Yeah, I mean, oh it should have been a scheme, what? too, if I could have got them all to send me $10. That would have been great. Well, I didn't know if there's a scheme where like – 
my name's Electric Greg, and you can call yourself Electric whatever, so long as you buy into this process. Like, oh my God. like uh, Derek, you calling yourself Electric Derek because you got an electric car? I have an electric car, yeah, and I love it. Um, I, okay. I I think by the end of the episode, we might get Carl to buy an electric car. That's our goal. That's yeah. This is not the time right now to be buying cars <laughs> with the supply chain shortage. So. We're actually looking at a car, but just with the skyrocketing prices of cars, it's it's mm, tough. Mm. V, isn't it like the that's a big V twelve Supreme unleaded only car? What? It <laughs> <laughs> it's like a huge <laughs> just guzzler. Moving on. <laughs> Look, you can get an electric car. You don't have to wait like years and months for it. We'll circle back to that here in a little bit. It's not about my car purchasing. That's not what this episode's about. Just to clarify. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It should be. It should. Although be. electric car, I would take that electric car roll. That doesn't. That doesn't flow as well as Greg. Okay. So. That's pretty good. No, it's even better. Carl, <laughs> really? Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> that could be a song. We could make a song out of that. We'll figure it out. Well, I, wait. I was just gonna say that you know that I I, I used that vehicle as a, for an idea, and, and the idea is that outdoor people should be stewards for mother nature, and right. the, and that once I got that car and I started kind of going down the way of okay, I'm being a little bit better here. Right. It kind of stimulated me looking at the rest of my life and seeing what other life changes <laughs> I could make from, yeah. you know, being a weekday vegetarian to just, you know, single-use plastics or composting or gardening. You know, it kind of just cascaded this changes in my life. And, yeah. It, it, yeah, it was the vehicle for an idea that just, just kept evolving me and trying to make me better. Carl gives me a hard time. He, you know, he'll call me like weekend vegan and weekend vegan guy, or like he'll have these names. <laughs> part time, part time vegan, part time vegan. But I'm like, you know, what? it's it's all about the process of trying to become better. It's good, and I, I like that you are always trying to evolve and do something uh, to better better everything. So, thank you, a yeah, and don't let perfection get in the way because we're not ever going to be perfect. Exactly, but we can all be better. We can all be better in so many ways, and and honestly, like some days you're better and some days you're not but if overall you're better then that's good that's very true that's very true so uh you know carl can keep harassing and that's okay i don't mind um so let's talk about um so in your video um there's this scene there where you're you know you're about to ski down this amazing uh just bowl of ice it just looked epic in pakistan <laughs> it was it was amazing <laughs> It looked like a big giant Hopefully bowl of ice. It was great. Uh, snow, I should say. But anyway, so while you're while you're going down it, an avalanche occurs. It, the, the snow loosens. It breaks before uh, behind you, in front of you. What was kind of going through your mind as you're trying to like turn and maneuver on loose snow? And then this was also kind of like a pivotal moment for you. If you want to go into that, the first thing was holy moly! I just made a huge mistake. Recover, recover. No, I mean, I'll rewind yeah. a little bit. So I, in the March 2014, I did what I yeah. called March Madness. I climbed 330,000 feet that month and skied a ton of stuff. And I was like, I was really fit. And then I got certified by the Association of Canadian Mountain Guides as a full ski guide and meant I knew my stuff. So there I was. I was like fit and qualified. And I just felt like I could destroy the world. And and then for that, we were out in Pakistan to go ski a bigger mountain in the background and you know, I was like, let's get some good footage. Let's be a free rider here. Yeah. And and typically in that situation, there was no real escape. So you typically, you work your way safely down. You do a ski cut, you let the snow move. If there's an avalanche, it goes below you. You kind of stabilize your way down if there's no escape route because there really wasn't. But they're filming me, so I wanted to be a hero. So instead of my first turn, instead right. of stopping, I went, I had total Kodak courage and I kept shredding down the mountain and three turns down. I look behind me and it's breaking apart. I look below me and it's breaking apart. And I was on this whole sliding pane of snow. And 
Um, luckily, I, I'm really calm in stressful situations, and I just was like, okay, what can you do? What can you do? What was your plan? What was your plan? And I didn't re- had a plan. There was one safe spot maybe over on the right. It was very minor, but maybe I could get out of the gully. So I started kind of aiming towards that and just kind of skiing on top of this plane of pane of snow that's kind of moving right. and jumping from that one to the next one to the next one. And I almost made it, and then eventually the, the avalanche hit me and sent me tumbling for 1,500 feet down the mountainside. And there was a quick flash of light, and I knew something had happened, but I didn't have time to deal with it because I was tumbling over and over and over and just kind of swimming and trying to stay on top of the, the moving snow. And right as it kind of slowed, slowed and turned into cement, I kind of was frozen mm. like Han Solo and just stuck there, but luckily my face was out. <laughs> so yeah. I, I dug the snow out of my mouth and started breathing. I was like, holy moly, I almost died there, and I, I thought I was fine, but fast forward a little bit more there's obviously this i could talk for hours on this whole story but we're not here for that but basically i broke my leg it was shattered there was a 24-hour rescue where i was we snow caved in the middle of the mountains at twenty thousand feet like we've talked a lot about you know trying to get emergency help here in the states or in canada in you know first world countries and we have our our beacons we have our devices but you're not in a country that has a lot of resources for that so you mentioned this 24 hours like, what is that process? Are you using a satellite phone? Like, how are you getting help? Yeah, it was a satellite phone. And, and when we eventually, anyhow, there was a lot of issues with the satellite phone because this porter that came up to help us a couple hours after the avalanche locked the phone out. So we actually couldn't use the phone. We didn't know if they were rescued. <laughs> it, was a, it was a bit of a situation. Uh, Definitely, I would think, I think more spots, okay. the merrier, um, more communication, the better. Um, but yes, we didn't know if they were rescuing okay. us. I kept waiting for it. The day passed. It was one o'clock when the avalanche happened. My partner stayed with oh, me. Man. He dug a snow cave and then we cuddled for a couple hours. Finally, those other guys came up with some tent and stuff. So I at least had a sleeping bag. Anyhow, it was the longest night of my life. Then they spent six hours taking yeah. me down in a toboggan down the mountainside, not knowing if there was helicopters coming or anything. And eventually this helicopter came in and picked me up. And then I, I was the calmest patient you could ever imagine. I was helping them traction me. I was telling them what to do because I had first aid. But the second the helicopter yeah. picked me up, oh my gosh. I cried and broke down. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to survive. But I couldn't let any oh, doubt gosh. enter into the into oh. my mind because I had to survive. I would have been, yeah, I would have been freaking out. I've been like, you know, t- I don't know who, the name of the porter. I've been like, hey, <laughs> yeah. try password or one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, or, it was a little frustrating. You know, just like oh, yeah. whatever it takes to get back into that phone. But anyhow, what ensued was basically six months of yeah. healing where I had to come home. I was on my couch, massive surgery. And during those six months, you know, I was on my couch a lot. I spent a lot of time mad at myself thinking about my mistake. And during that time, I was like, okay, well, what would my legacy have been to my children? They're eight and nine at that point. Like, If I died and they'd never seen me again, what would they know of me? And you know, they'd hear all these kind of records, these these endurance things I'd done, and they'd, they'd know that I was a liver of life and somebody that just believed in pushing yourself and just shouting from mountaintops. And, and, but, it, but if you looked at it a little bit more, you'd see that I didn't care about the world. I had a big sled, a big truck. I heli-skied. I flew around the world all the time. And there was just this kind of like, who cares right. about the world? Let's just live it as large as we can. And, and so while I was on the couch, I was like, okay, this is, I've been given another lease on life. I've got another chance here. And what am I going to do with this other chance? And, and what can I, what, what could I do yeah. to these next chapters of right. my life that would make them more meaningful for me and more impactful for the world? So I chose to start trying to be a, a bit better and be more sustainable. Yeah. I mean, you're just, you're constantly growing and I, you're constantly evolving. I like that you are inspired. It's inspiring just to watch that video, just to, uh, just to see how you want to make everything around you better. 
And I, I really think that's great. So we've had people on the show before that have come to the similar conclusion, whether it's just through self-reflection or through, you know, just so many achievements or at the finish line where they realize like that by itself is, is kind of empty. And so there's a, there's a greater purpose that they're seeking and um, mm-hmm. we're all people in process and we're kind of, you know, all figuring that out as we go. But, um, well now we can just tell them to go buy an electric car and you'll be good. <laughs> Problem so. solved. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you made this comment. It said uh, to, to quote you, you said, if I, if you can't change one person's point of view, how can you expect to change millions? So that mm-hmm. was kind of part of, of that Electric Greg show. So have you come to any conclusions on, on that? Like how do you change somebody's point of view? Well, you just find those that, that are on the fence and change their point of view. There's some people that are on the other side of the fence and you won't be able to change them for a while. But if you can just get those that are in the midfield yeah, right. and make them, you know, make you know, say let's just talk. My brother did a TED talk in 2010 about weekday vegetarianism. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of us are scared to not eat meat. And so he created this idea where you, you just, you eat vegetarian during the week and you get your meat on the weekends. And it's just an easy gateway to, to, to take in that step. And, you know, that helped me a bit when I, during when I started doing my changes and, you know, so he's changed me. And then since then I've changed a bunch of other people and it just kind of just, it just keeps it trickling and kind of the, the butterfly effect. And, you know, I think there's going to be obviously lots of people you can't change, but you you kind of aim on those that are open-minded and you can change, and and that butterfly effect will soon enough more and more. And you know, supposedly it only right. takes about five percent of a population to really change things dramatically. So if we can just change five percent, we're going to shift it. Carl, would you ever go vegan or vegetarian or, or no? Yeah, it's amazing. I've 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 done the uh, the Daniel diet, which the is Daniel diet. You know, kind of like that, kind of the raw. Like kind of a vegan diet, yeah. How, how long for? Like a day? I lasted a day. <laughs> no, I lasted ten days. Oh, wow. It was yeah, it was this year actually, and uh, okay. not my thing. Not my thing. I, this is not what we're talking about here. So oh, oh. <laughs> he doesn't like to focus on him. Greg. We're not like talking it. about. It's okay. Yeah. All right. I, I, yeah. Let's tie this in though, okay? Because I want to I want to shift it over to to the guiding um, aspect of things because I'm really interested. I feel yeah. like our world today is very accommodating right so we can talk about this concept of veganism or i'm gluten-free or i can only or i'm allergic to nuts or all this and that not to mention you know people that have whether it's just just we'll say physical accommodations they need i would imagine that on any given trip there's a lot of ingredients you've got to consider to make it successful for varieties of folks is that accurate I was wondering how you're going to tie that into guiding. Yeah, I mean, I guess as a guide, my biggest goal is to kind of assess the whole group, figure out what their their quirks and their quirks are, and try to how to how to what they're looking for out of the days, out of, you know, and, and make them the best day possible. Um, but yeah, we're all different. We're all looking for different things, but okay. I think in the end, I mean, people are hiring a guide one because they want to they want to know that they're doing it safely. They they want the best experience possible, and I just kind of. Yeah, just kind of look to see what their needs are and try to accommodate them. You're so easy going with that, but I, I think if I was structuring a trip and I had all mm. these accommodations I had to make, I would just be very mindful, concerned, so, like, okay, do I have the right food for this person? Do I have the right gear for this person? Is is everything lined up? And you're just like, oh, we'll just kind of take it as it comes. Well, no, I'll make sure that I've got all that stuff lined up. I mean, that's part of my job as a guide is to, to look at all their needs and, and accommodate them. I think Carl just envies your lack of anxiety, maybe. And that's, uh, is, that, is that what it is? You're painting me as this really anxious person. That is not accurate. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. But it's so fun. All right. So w- with all the f- all the different folks you've taken out there, all the you know 
miles you've traveled. What would you say is like an underrated piece of gear that, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal to most people, but you've found this to be very useful or something that maybe people should have that we're not always thinking about? Huh, that's kind of a, that's a tough one. I, I, I mean, well, this summer when I, I did one of my worst hiking trips ever, I, I made some bad calls because there were lots mm. of bugs, and I wish I'd had bug shirts for everybody in my group. Oh, like the the bug the net stuff or like like a full bug jacket? No, they, they okay, not just bug dope or bug spray, Hog but shirts. like the full yeah. jacket. I'm pretty zen and I can just ignore the millions of bugs, but it definitely it kind right. of, it ruined ruined their day and possibly the next few days. And they right, might, right, they're right. still going to bug me about it. I just saw them tonight and I hadn't seen them for a few months. And the first thing they mentioned was that bug ridden trip. If I had a bug <laughs> shirt, it might not have been as bad. But those are the stories you remember, right? The ones where, where things go awry. I and, yeah, I read an article in Outside Magazine. This is years ago talking about somebody who was going through the process of becoming a guide. And I think a lot of people just assume that if you are just an elite athlete at your sport, that you are automatically qualified. But... Whereas that fitness helps, I think, at least what this guy had learned was it's all about the relational aspect you can have with other folks because you're not going to typically be elite out there on a guided trip. You're more likely to be towards the back of the pack trying to encourage those that are struggling. Is that something that kind of like naturally fits your personality or is that challenging for you times? Uh, it isn't anymore. I mean, talk to me in 2005 when all I wanted to do was run around the mountains and I was guiding. I definitely, right, right. I definitely started to look at objectives more for me than my clients. But as I as I matured and accomplished enough goals for myself, I I definitely have switched it where I, I look at them. I'm like, this is all about you. What can I do for you? Yeah, you have right. to be quite compassionate, and for sure, for many years I wasn't. But the good guides are those that really are and understand that it's all about the clients and how to make their days the best possible. Uh, who is uh, right. is there is there a tougher type of person to guide in your opinion okay. overall? Okay, so you know you've done like hella skiing and guiding trips and like uh, you're saying you're doing rock climbing and all that. Um, what is there ter- is there a certain type of person that's difficult to to guide? There's definitely for me. Opinion. So I, I heli ski guided for probably five or six years, and when I got, when I got into guiding, I knew I wanted to guide people in the mountains, and I did some heli skiing. And then one day, I, I gave the best day possible, but it ended on a sour note. But the eight eight hours were incredible. Ten minutes weren't, and all I could hear that night at dinner was these clients complaining complaining about those last ten minutes. And right then, I vowed. I was like, I don't I don't want to guide people where it's where they just pay to expect the best. I want to guide people where they're ready to mm-hmm. earn their turns, and they're out for the they're out there for the mountains and and, mm. and the scenery and just and just the kind of the beauty of the mountains. So I from then on I focused more on on human powered backcountry skiing, hiking, and and that type of person is somebody that just understands that you know it might not be good and you know it might be really buggy or it, it might be you know the skiing might not be as good, but they they get that we're there for the whole the whole package. That I'm working for. Yeah, and that yeah sometimes yeah. it's bad, but because it's bad, it's going to be really good, and because you've had the bad, that good will be that much better and. And they're just more understanding. Right. If somebody's willing to hike and earn their turns, they're they're definitely going to be more open minded and, and just a better person yeah. to be with. Is that something you're mindful of exactly. when you're kind of putting the trip together, or do you give some sort of like a speech ahead of time, like, "Hey, folks, here's how it's going to go down." <laughs> yeah, listen, guys. No, I, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Most people seem to just be accepting. They 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 get it. They get that ski touring is going to be hard. That climbing a mountain is going to be hard, and that it might it might cause them to dig deep into 
to kind of find their well of reserve and try to figure out how to be happy. And I'm, I'm, I'm a guide, so I'll help guide them and help them understand that sometimes it's not great. So if Derek were to give one of these like guiding speeches on our next trip that we're, we're hosting some folks, and there was one thing that he could say that you would suggest to make sure that everybody was on the same page or they had reasonable expectations, what would be one piece of advice you'd give Derek to have a successful speech? Other than go buy an electric car. <laughs> For this trip, you need to arrive at an electric car. Everybody get an electric car, and then we'll meet back. <laughs> I, you, you actually stumped me. My silver tongue's not working too well for that, that question. Ooh, he can't. All right, that's okay. I mean, we could start, we okay. start with anything. Hey, guys, throw all your meat away. We're going to eat plants and nuts <laughs> yeah. the entire time. Buckle up. It's going to be a great ride. we the rap. cactus that we find out in the desert and just hope that sustains us, right? Okay, so I had uh, I had a question for you. Um, and is, is there a benefit to you know getting a guide for a guided tour as opposed to, let's say, like, hey, I'm just going to get a bunch of buddies together and go on a trip? And Yeah, I mean, I, I'd love just getting trips with buddies, but there's always tough decisions on who's going to make the decisions and, you know, why you, why me? And right. this really became clear with me a couple of years ago is we went caving right. and caving's not a strength any of us had. And we found the best cave caver we could. And, and as we descended into this deep, dark hole in the mountainside, I remember just looking at him and giving him all my doubts, giving him all my worries, all the decision-making. And I just embraced the situation and, and enjoyed the experience because I didn't have to worry about things. And I just and it really made me realize that that's what people do with me is that once they go out guiding with me and I'm guiding them is they just kind of, they get rid of all those dynamics between the friends and everything. And they're just able to just enjoy the experience because they know that I've been trained for years and that I'm out there to give them the best experience possible. And they don't have to worry. They can just enjoy the views. They can just enjoy the skiing or the hiking and they don't need to focus on all the other things because they're paying me right, to do that. Right. I think this is good in general, just to hear this from a professional guide that you, you know, will, will release those reins and like give them to somebody else who knows more and, and you're still willing to go out there and learn and, and experience something fresh. Oh, there's just so much value. If you can, if somebody, if you know somebody's more experienced and they, they are, they are going to make all the right decisions and you can just pass that responsibility off and be carefree and have fun. Exactly. I think this is a good learning experience for Carl because I think he likes control. So, Carl, what do you are you would you be able to do this? You know, like hire somebody to do a trip for you to you know, go on a guided trip. Absolutely. Well, like up up like a like a, a moderate grassy knoll. I mean, that's a challenge for you, I know, but like to go up the grassy knoll. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Could you that, let go of the reins? <laughs> that's like my dream. Is I've I think I've only done yeah. trips where I've been planning them forever. And so there's just, yeah, one time I want to go on a trip where somebody else plans or guides or whatever. I think for me, that would just be, I could just be loosey goosey, show up and just have fun. That's one of the reasons that it's fun to have websites like 57 hours that just like people can be like, I want to do this and I want to go to Iceland hiking. And then they can click on it and they can sign up knowing that they're in the cap most capable hands possible. And that the trip is just going to be amazing. And then, mm -hmm. and then in the weeks and everything above it uh, beforehand, you don't have to stress and worry and plan you can just excitingly expect the best that's coming and just get ready for it. So like if, yeah. And if Carl forgets his pillow or sleeping bag, you guys might have an extra one over there. <laughs> oh, always, always. Okay. Good to know. There you go. That sounds like a silly question. That's actually probably something you encounter pretty frequently. Do we know if you're going to be the guide for the trip giveaway that uh, we're offering or that you're offering through our show? 
Um, or, or is it maybe going to be some other guide or, or we don't know yet? Um, I think that'll likely depend. I think it's more of a credit for an adventure, but I'd love it if whoever wins it can can hire me and we can either do a trip in the summer or in the winter okay. if they're not skiers. Yeah, okay. Vice versa, that doesn't make sense. But yeah, I'm, we're not sure. And this, this kind of segues perfectly into kind of our, our wrap-up question. We always like to, anybody who's representing some sort of... Um, you know, content, business, or organization, we like to kind of open it up to, to, you know, for you to share anything about 57 hours and the guiding services, ventures you got going on, anything else you want to, see your chance to sell everybody on this. Yeah, I mean, like I mentioned, I'm offering this green ski trips through 57 hours because they're this awesome website company that's basically trying to facilitate adventure worldwide for people and that they, that people will know when they go on to 57hours.com that they will be getting the best guides around the world. And you know, they're offering incredible climbing trips and hiking trips. And, you know, this is also Victor, the CEO or owner of it. He He's he's concerned about his footprint and he's concerned about offering all these trips to people without also addressing the impacts of them. So this green ski trips with me is right. sort of our first exploration into, hey, what can we do as guides or and, and these offerings and how can we make them better? And you know, it's, we know it's not perfect, but it, this is kind of the first step. And it's like, okay, let's see what little impacts we can change here and see if this works. And then if this works, we're going to see, you know, take another step forward and, and just try to keep evolving it till we can offer completely sustainable trips around the world, really. Nice. That sounds great. Well, we already have people that have been applying for the giveaway and we have that link in our show description as well. So it's just like a, a one-minute form to apply, and you get multiple entries. You get an entry if you are a subscriber to our podcast. You get one if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you get another entry if you have supported us on Patreon. So up to three entries in one shot. So we appreciate mm-hmm. all those things. And, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and apply. You get until the end of December. You might be going on a trip with Greg Hill, so that would be awesome yeah, yeah. and amazing. Join me, I'm psyched. We can go hiking, we can go climbing, we can go skiing, whatever. I can definitely, and we can just have great conversations about anything as we wander around the Mother Nature. All right. Well, hey, Greg, we really appreciate you taking the time and joining us, and uh, we will definitely, yeah, we'll we'll definitely continue to promote 57 hours giveaway i think people are pretty excited about this we've already gotten a lot of positive feedback so so thank you so much yeah no problem it's been a pleasure derek what do you think about that what do, what do i think about that i think that was uh yeah. amazing it was uh it's inspiring to see somebody just be that passionate about a bettering themselves and doing better but also trying to inspire others to like to just take pride in where they live on earth and uh, just right. all that stuff is great. So when are you going to get an electric car and uh, when are you going to throw the meat in the trash? I mean, I don't, I don't know what you're going <laughs> to, it's never going to happen. So, yeah, but um, I shared yeah. that you, you kind of, you said 2 million miles of, you know, ascending and you kind of, you kind of messed that up at the beginning. It felt, and so it felt I, that way. I feel like I have to reveal that I messed up as well on this interview. And so, because Greg was so kind, we, um, we, the program that we use to record remotely, I'd say 95% of the time works well, but we conducted the entire interview and didn't record anything. Way to go. And so we had to go back and re-record. So I'll take credit for that mess up just so that you, I'm not picking on you too much. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give you that credit. I'm going to freely you. give you that credit. You know, I'll you. take my mess up over your mess up any day. Okay. Well, he was very kind. So we kind of mixed up a little bit. So we didn't get to all the questions we got to the first round. So I want to bring up a few of these. Uh, yeah. One of them was... He, he kind of get got referred to as like a net zero adventurer. He's a sustainable adventurer. He's trying to use like the electric power versus the gas, that kind of thing. He wants to be sustainable. And so I thought about, you know, like how do you 
better sustain yourself out in the wild. Do you think that in order to be more sustainable, do you think he actually brings Tupperware? You know, good question. I mean, you know, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I think he just maybe, I think he's just maybe reusing things. You think he's plastic bag still? And that's what I think he does. Well, if he does, he's not the only one. Just saying. Well, we know. Well, you can't, you can't really reuse your plastic bag drink mix bags because you leave them on the trail. So you're going to have to get a new bag every time. I think that's just a general rule of thumb. Anything that you leave on the trail, it is very hard to reuse, right? Exactly. So just don't leave things on the trail. Okay. Just whoa, don't. whoa. Boom. Okay. That's a that's Boom. a message that we gotta, you know. Mind blown. Mind blown. Yeah, mind blown. Okay, that that's up there with um when you're thirsty drink. Remember that one? Uh <laughs> vaguely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just dropping wisdom bombs on people right now i'm trying so thanks i'm trying Peter. thank you thank you thank you for that okay another question that i that i had that we didn't get to so we were referencing that movie electric greg and he said something along the lines of if i didn't have any doubt like this is when he was asked if he thought he could actually do the two million feet he said if i didn't have any doubt it wouldn't be a challenge yeah that was good right? i like that yeah which i liked so here's my question and, and do you think that when he's guiding that, you know, obviously when he's guiding, he's guiding people that are probably like not as fit as him. So do you think that when they share with him that they are having some doubts, he'll just tell them, you know, it's okay to doubt. And you know, what? I'm not even sure if you can make it either. <laughs> probably. I mean, be like, oh, okay. I'm sorry. You're... You think he says that? You, say, he, you think he says no. like, I don't know if you can make it. No, he's like, not going to say that. This is where I think you need to write this stuff down for your trips that you plan. You know what I mean? Okay. Derek, you know, like, come on, like, can you even make it up over this rock and this, and what's a chalk stone? Like, you, you, what was your problem? Like, these are things that you should be writing down so you can get better at, at leading a trip. I think this is huge. So I should tell people to just turn around when they're struggling. You, I mean, you kind of should. No, you, you, you have, right? I mean, you, you would probably I've do. I've told people to turn around. <laughs> you know what? Looks like you're having a uh, hard time. Look, just go back to the car. You need to just, just give up, please. Please just give up. Don't don't push yourself. <laughs> don't push yourself. Don't challenge yourself. Yeah. Uh, we've been in situations where somebody did need to turn around, but it wasn't for that scenario. No, so yeah. Do you consider yourself a pseudo backpacking guide when we are doing the Patreon trips? A pseudo backpacking guide. I mean, I don't know if it's a guide. I mean, like I feel. Like I can, it's not a guided trip, not even no, close to the same not, thing. He's, he's we, doing like legit. But they're still, we're setting up the trip, and people are looking to you for leadership. They say, Derek, I don't know what to do right now. Please help me. I would say filter your own water. Number one, uh, no, <laughs> no. I mean, I feel competent in, in solving issues yeah. and problems on the trail. I mean, I, I I think I pride myself on a lot of that stuff. But um, okay. But I like you know these are these are like the guys that this is like a they have a whole like you know what like a company organization whatever you call it and they they're gonna for, they're gonna supply you when you forget your pillow carl they're gonna supply you right. with, when you forget your which is awesome so it's nice to have that kind of like company backing of like you know they have things that you need if you forget you just basically right. need to go and show up and bring yeah what you think a little more than well, that, well bring not, the essentials along those lines yeah but bring yeah. the essentials but you don't have to worry about all the details that they're gonna take care of all that stuff for sure. There's some details you still got to figure out in terms of like getting there. But, well, yes. Um, but once you get there. Yeah. And I don't, and just to clarify, I don't think that people are looking to you in that leadership role as much on the Patreon trips because a lot of those folks are probably more experienced than us, to be honest, when they're. They might be. Yeah. So, yeah, they might yeah. be. All right. Did you have any takeaways? Anything else? No, I thought that was thorough. I liked that a lot. It was a really enjoyable interview. 
He's okay. a very inspiring gentleman. So, so no takeaways, zero responses to. Anything I mean, it was, it was. I think I responded during the interview. Were you there? Did you listen? Uh, kind of. Yeah, there you go. That's your problem. So uh, <laughs> I think I mean I already got the electric car, so I think okay. you you should have paid attention to that. But um, right. Would it be fun to like hire him or get him to go on like some you know crazy European trip someday or something? That'd be that'd be amazing. Um, what a what a cool job. Yeah, yeah. I think and that's who I'd be looking for to be honest. Somebody who's easygoing and not just you know super intense and in my face. Right? And like he said, like he really is he he thrives on like when things go wrong and there was like the tragedy of the avalanche he's like i can stay calm in these situations and that's somebody you want to go with right. anywhere i mean th- you know because stuff will happen maybe not that extreme but yeah you want somebody who's gonna be level-headed and like be able to like process what to do so. right so yeah let's let's put yourself in that scenario so you get a broken leg and you're struggling you can't contact the satellite phone's locked out you're not it's not working oh. what are you doing what are you saying in that scenario Good question. I think it's just trying to keep your mind um, any little task you can think of. Okay, well, now I got to dig my snow grave. Now I just got to try and get some rest. Now I just got to get some right. water. Now I got to try to try to eat a little food. And just try to keep going with little decisions until hopefully you can get down the mountain, right? And then he's like, we had to get down the mountain. Then we had to. So I think keeping the mind occupied. And then he said, right. you know, get in. He got in the chopper and he just broke down, which yeah. makes complete sense. Yeah, because you know? you're so focused on that. And then finally you can kind of like just, you know, you're, you have relief so to speak. That's right? survival mode, yeah. The emotions pour uh, out. Yeah. That's actually yeah. a good answer. Yeah, I would be still trying to figure out how to get back into this sat phone, which it sounds like they might have <laughs> or they came with an alternative. I'd be throwing out all sorts of passwords and being like, what's your birthday? Yeah. What's this? What's that? So, uh, How bad did the guy feel, though? Yeah. The porter guy. Oh, what a... I don't know. I, mean, I, I haven't locked myself out of one of those devices. We haven't had a straight-up sat phone either, so... How do you lock yourself out? I don't understand how that happens. Uh, is it, yeah, there's not there's not a key. It's not like a physical. Was it, is there like a password? And he like did the wrong one. That's what too I was thinking. Times? Right. So that's why I suggested that. Because like, you do that but... with your email a lot. You know, you lock yourself out or your phone. Yeah, or out of the house. Exactly. Right? So, so food for thought. I told that story right about how I got locked out of the house. I had to camp in my backyard. That is amazing. I, story. I don't know if I yeah. would do that. I think I would just break a window and call it a day. That sounds yeah in your rage. But I have I have a maybe you need one of these. I have a, I have one of those key lock codes you can uh, just type in a code and we're not we have the opposite of fancy we don't have a lot of the stuff that most people have now with the ring and this and that so we we need to upgrade for sure well it's not really fancy carl okay we can talk about doorbells and stuff you want to keep talking about them but like you want to talk about your backyard camping we can talk about that we can do that we'll do we'll do an episode called how to camp in the backyard so and how to open your front door here we go last question this guy has ascended and descended so much elevation do you think that he has earned the right to change his name from Greg Hill to Greg Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say yes. I mean, okay. that's pretty. It's pretty. That's a pretty awesome name, Greg yeah. Mountain, or just right. or just the mountain. No, that's already taken. Yeah, yeah. Greg Mountain, which sounds like epic. So along that same vein, if we'd kind of like named ourselves based on our achievements, would you rename yourself like Derek Knapp? Derek Knapp. Uh, I don't really take naps. Uh, I mean, would it be Carl okay. Shoulders? Would it be, what were we talking about? <laughs> you know, is that where we're going with this? <laughs> Derek Knapp. Carl, take your backpack off. <laughs> Dismount your pack. This rolls right <laughs> off the tongue right there. Right? Yeah. You like that? Okay, so we've got trivia coming up, Derek, and I've already I've lost one, so I'm already kind of in the hole now. And so as a result, I got a reaction, I got a response with this trivia. 
So coming up right for this, we've got National Parks Trivia. National Park. okay, okay, I gotcha. A funny joke, okay. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Okay, so the reason why I chose National Parks Trivia is because we've done a couple of these, and no matter how easy or simple the questions are, you don't pass them. So I'm trying to even the field. Here we go. This this is what you wanted to do. You you take a hit and you lose. Yeah, even the playing field. And then field. I was like... Right? These are, these are all reasonable questions that anybody that knows... Are they? I think I might intentionally bomb this just to, just to appease you. Wow. We'll see. I might, wow. I might intentionally People bomb People are not believing... That's right. No, I might throw it. I might not. throw it. People do not buy that for one second. Do you think people <laughs> no. really believe that you might throw it or that you're just so embarrassed ahead of time that you're going to get all three of these wrong that you're just trying to cover yourself? Do you think – what do you think people believe? I don't do, – do, I, don't, I don't care. Yes, you do because you're telling people ahead of time that you might throw it and you know that's not true. You're so competitive you don't throw anything. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Here we go. We'll find out. So – uh, I will share this because I know that this is a weakness of yours. Okay. This will be the only time I do National Park Street for the season. Is that fair? Noted here. Okay, noted. Okay. Uh, All right, here we go. Uh, I'm going to ask a question okay. that um, I think was from the, from the last National Park Street. I think it was the same exact question. Can you name two desert parks that are not in Utah? Two desert national parks. Yeah. All I think right. there's like four or five. There's uh, like five or six. Okay, here we go. There's okay. I'm thinking one. Oh, I know. There was one in. Uh, I remember the. Uh, what is it called? The Badlands. The Badlands. There's okay. Badlands. 
Uh, I remember watching the mm-hmm. show Badlands, and then uh, <laughs> there's Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon, I'll or give it Death, to you. Death yeah. Valley, Death Valley, Death, Death Valley, Valley. That's the okay. one I was looking for because that's in your state. Hey, whoa, okay, you have improved since last time. Perhaps I doubted you. I apologize for that because you got three there, mm-hmm. and yeah, there's the you, know, you got Great it. Basin in Nevada, you got a couple in uh, in Texas. So yeah, now he's gonna ramp it up. How many questions are there? Three questions. Three questions. Just got to get one more right and you're good. All right. One more right. Okay. And this next one's multiple choice. Oh. Number two, which of the following is not a national park? All right. So you got A, Hot Springs, B, Channel Islands, C, Guadalupe Mountains, or D, Appalachian Mountains. Ooh. Okay, wait. So we have Guadalupe, Channel Islands. Hot Springs, Appalachian. What's the hot, What's the full Hot Springs one? It's called Hot Springs National Park, if it's real. <laughs> it's real. Uh, it's either Hot Springs or Appalachian. I don't know. Let's just, I'm just going to Appalachian. Appalachian Mountains is correct. Wow. Wow. Where's Hot Springs National Park? Where is that? That's in Arkansas. Arkansas. That's right. Okay. Yeah. That's and right. really the Appalachian Mountains, like you probably haven't, you might not even heard of all these, but the reason why that was supposed to be kind of a Captain Obvious one is because they run from Maine to Georgia, so there's not going to be a national park that runs that. Long. Right? No, no, no. I, I guess I'm. It's more. Yeah, I, was, I don't remember yeah. some of the other ones. It's been a while. Yeah. Since Although I, I take that back. That's that's not fair because we have Rocky Mountain National Park and those go really long. So you maybe just, it just be like a zone. You just stuck your foot in your own so, mouth. I love it. Yeah, I did. I did. Okay. So but it doesn't matter because you already won. So I did. Here's an easy one. Mm-hmm. If you if you're so dominant now at national park trivia, number three, <laughs> name any national park. Not already mentioned. That's east of the Mississippi River. <laughs> oh, not already mentioned. I don't even. And know. And this is where Derek shines, right here, right here. There's like a thousand of them. Just name one. Uh, there's not really let's a thousand. See. No, there's a. Uh, wait, let me think. I'm thinking. Of, oh, I know. There's. Um, I always thought about this after I saw Pirates of the Caribbean. It was. Uh, it's the Tortugas. Tortugas National Park. Dry something Tortugas. Is that right? All right. Dry Tortugas, my friend. That is correct. You were three for three. There's, or there's the Florida one, the uh, the Everglades. Yeah, there's, there's Everglades. You got the, yeah, Smoky yeah. Mountains. I apologize for doubting you. I do have to share that this episode was edited down a little bit. Derek took about 10 minutes to answer each of those questions in real real time. Not correct. It was maybe a minute two times. <sighs> Not tops. even close to that. You, that is incorrect. But I felt a lot of pressure because you're yeah. well, ma- you're intentionally trying to stump me with National Parks trivia. You had already passed trivia and you still took forever number three. I wanted to be a perfection. I'm not I'm not saying I'm part of this this group, but there's there's some folks out there that definitely are thinking if Derek really did take that long between questions. Was he Googling oh, stuff? Brother. You, you can never... I'm not saying I'm part of the group. I'm just saying that there's that, that question's you, you out there. You put it out there. I don't okay. have my computer near me, so it's untypeable <laughs> at this point. Okay, okay. So I've got I've got a couple tidbits to wrap things up. We've got our next Patreon bonus episode coming up here in early January, so uh, please get on board for that. We would be indebted to you. And don't forget to enter the 57 hours drawing for a guided trip. It's going to be like a $750 gift card that you can apply possibly even in more than one trip. And uh, yeah, just yeah, click on the link below and super easy, easy peasy. That's all I got. Indeed. That was gorgeous. Thanks, you guys, for joining us. Um, again, jump on the Patreon. Get yourself a Christmas gift. Patreon. Hear Carl and me even more. Uh, a lot of bonus content or get it for a loved one who just loves to hear about the outdoors. And uh, make sure you enroll in your last opportunity for the uh, the trip giveaway. 
And uh, we will see you next time. Remember, guys, if uh, you see a guy and he has a, a nice chalky skin, it's Carl Mandrilli reminding himself to not eat meat and to buy an electric car. We'll see you. Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.